I've treated hundreds of patients and trained thousands of healthcare professionals over my 15-year career. And one thing I've learned through that experience is that most people are really confused about supplements, or they lack a clear strategy or plan for how to use supplements to improve their health. That's why I created Adapt Naturals. It's a supplement line designed to add back in what the modern world has squeezed out and help you feel and perform your best. Our ancestors' diets were rich in the essential vitamins and minerals and phytonutrients we need for optimal function. But today, thanks to declining soil quality, a growing toxic burden, and other challenges in the modern world, most of us are not getting enough of these critical nutrients. I formulated Adapt Naturals using the principles of evolutionary biology and modern research to fill the nutrient gaps that we face today and replicate the nutrient intakes found in an optimal ancestral diet. Our flagship offering is called the Core Plus Bundle, a daily stack of five products that gives you everything you need each day, from essential vitamins and minerals like B12, folate, magnesium, and vitamin D, to phytonutrients like bioflavonoids, carotenoids, and beta-glucans. You can also order the products in the bundle separately if that works better for your needs. The Adapt Naturals products are made from the highest quality, food-based, or bioidentical ingredients. From cellular and immune health, to brain and nervous system support, to blood sugar and heart health, we've got you covered. Your supplement cupboard is about to get a lot smaller. We also created an app called Core Reset to help you get your nutrition, sleep, movement, and stress management dialed in. Because no matter how good our supplements are, and they are really good, you can't supplement yourself out of a bad diet and lifestyle. The best part is that you get this app at no additional cost when you order the Core Plus bundle. Head over to adaptnaturals.com, that's A-D-A-P-T naturals.com, to learn more and start feeling and performing your best. Hey everybody, Chris Kresser here. Welcome to another episode of Revolution Health Radio. Over the last few months, I've received a lot of requests for more fitness and performance-oriented podcasts, so I'm really excited to welcome Marcus Philly as my guest. You may uh, have heard of him if you're in the functional movement space. He's the creator of Functional Bodybuilding and a former six-times CrossFit Games athlete with decades of experience coaching and designing both individual and group training programs. Marcus, of course, was very active in the CrossFit community, but after suffering from burnout and injury, he developed a new type of training that blends bodybuilding with functional movement. And I'm really excited to talk to Marcus about this. We're going to dive into approaches to resistance training that build muscle mass and bone density without contributing to injury, how busy people can get great resistance training workouts in in a very short amount of time, the sweet spot between pushing too hard in the gym, which can, of course, lead to injury and burnout and not working hard enough, and what to do in the 23 hours outside of the gym to make the most of your health and fitness journey. I really enjoyed this conversation. I think you will as well. Let's dive in. Marcus, welcome to the show. It's great to have you. Thank you very much for having me. And I, I, I wanted to say that um, first and foremost, I'm, uh, I've been following you for a long time. And so to have the opportunity to come and speak to you and, and, and share something you know, that I do uh, with your audience is uh, it's a true pleasure. So I really appreciate it. Oh, you're very welcome. And I'm really looking forward to uh, talking to you about this because, you know, I've never been in CrossFit myself, but I have a lot of patients over the years who've uh, been pretty active in CrossFit. And I know it, it can be such a powerful and positive experience for so many people. And I also know that there's there can be a dark side or, or things can go wrong, let's say. Mm -hmm. And I've had a number of patients, for example, over the years who, you know, they got into CrossFit for all the right reasons. They they wanted to get more exercise and, and be fit and they love the community aspect of it and the, and the challenge, you know, that, that and, you know, I think CrossFit is so good at that, that people pushing each other to their limits and just really supporting mm -hmm. one another. But they were wrecked. You know, they were, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. They, they, they had severe HPA axis dysregulation, you know, cortisol and DHEA were in the tank. Like they, mm. they, they were really experiencing a lot of symptoms of overtraining. And I know you have your own personal history here. You were a very accomplished CrossFit athlete. You reached a very high level mm -hmm. in that world. And, and then something happened. <laughs> so sure. Yeah. yeah walk, walk, walk us through that. Um, you know, just a little bit about your background and, 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 
your relationship with that with CrossFit and that kind of uh, physical activity? Yeah, happy to share um, a little bit about my story and probably start by just saying that, you know, I, I was a CrossFit um, coach and CrossFit affiliate owner for about eight years, starting in 2009, 2010. Um, that's what I devoted a lot of my life to. And so principally, I was a coach in trying to build a, a fitness coaching business, a, a career around helping people get better. Um, and then at the same time, I also started to compete in the sport of CrossFit. And um, I think those early years of me coaching and competing, uh, one of the biggest challenges that faced the big community of CrossFit was that the two were getting closely linked together. It's like coaching general population and competing in a sport, athletics, right? Like trying to win points. The, the intention behind both should be different. However, they were getting overlapped and, and the lines were very unclear. It was very blurry. You know, we don't, if you want to play rec sports, you don't go train like you're in the NFL, right? And, you know, vice versa. It's like, you, you got to have a clear understanding of what's physical activity, what's here to get somebody healthy and strong. And then what is here to like push the, like the, you know, the limits of human performance. So, you know, I didn't really know any of that until much later on until having seen countless examples of myself and clients, you know, maybe pushing too far, but my career in the sport of CrossFit really was on like just an upward trajectory for seven years until 2016, when I finished uh, 12th in the, in the, in the, you know, worldwide CrossFit games, had my best uh, sort of season and, and performance of my life and had sort of reached it, what I, where I, what I thought of was like, this is like the peak and the pinnacle of my, my CrossFit career. And I could see going forward that like, I didn't have room to keep pushing the limits of this because I wasn't, um, and many people can attest to this that were in the CrossFit community, you know, a 2016 CrossFit games athlete that's close to the top 10 in the world, maybe is going to earn 15 grand, you know, total on the year from earnings. Uh, it's like, you're not a professional athlete, you're a recreational athlete, but that's pushing your body like a professional athlete. And so I had to do all the other things outside of my sport to stay, you know, growing as a person in my career, like I'm getting married, want to have a family where, you know, we want to have kids, like I needed to build something else. And when you push yourself physically, and then you're also pushing yourself, you know, in your career and, and the time constraints, you know, something has to give. And that's typically, you know, the, the body, like the body just starts to shut down. Like what you mentioned, like people's hormones out of whack, energy levels, not optimized, like, you know, something just starts to feel off. And um, my experience, you know, trying to push as a professional athlete, but also build a business and build a family and do like a bunch of other things was very similar to that of my clients who came to me already overstressed with a poor nutrition profile, not, not, not in a good movement practice, maybe they had kids in the last two to five years and they're adjusting to being parents and uh, they work, you know, very demanding jobs and, you know, like the list goes on. And then we hit them with, Hey, go high intensity four or five days a week with your physical movement. That's going to solve all your problems. Well, really it solves some things, but it just added a, to their stress profile and it just compounded certain problems six months, 12 months, 18 months, you know, 24 months later for them. Um, so this sort of like awakening for me where it was like, okay, I love this, this sport. I love this community. I love these movements. I love this way of training. And I don't want to go back to doing something totally different and less interesting and less functional. And, you know, I, I couldn't see myself regressing back to the way I train a decade earlier, where it was sort of like three sets of 10, you know, biceps, triceps, you know, elliptical, like, no way, this is way more interesting, way more compelling, and way more, you know, uh, uh, motivating and inspiring. And there's something about the way I'm approaching it from like a 
I want to be the best and push myself and always win the, you know, the, the time trial. Uh, there's something about that approach that's clearly not conducive to long-term wellness and especially like with a movement practice like this. So how do we navigate away from that without losing the essence of like, I want to move functionally. I want to build strength. I want to challenge myself. You know, these are things that have to be central to any movement practice. Otherwise you will not get stronger and feel better. You will over time feel worse, get weaker, have atrophy, like things that we don't want. So this was sort of like, uh, what, what inspired the change in how I was going to approach being a coach and an athlete and what spawned the next phase of my career, which was moving away from CrossFit, the brand, starting my own business and what is now called functional bodybuilding. And that's sort of the way we trained was to solve this, this question that was there. Great. And I, I definitely want to dive in more to uh, what functional bodybuilding is and, and, you know, get into the details of of what that looks like. Uh, before we do that, I want to linger a little bit on just some of the challenges that you faced personally, and also you saw your clients facing as a CrossFit coach and a CrossFit athlete. Not here to bash CrossFit. Like I said, I have a, a ton of respect for it. I think it helps a lot of people, and there's a lot of positive things about it. And I also know that I, you know I've spoken to many, many CrossFit gym owners, you know, starting with Rob Wolf, one of the, the, who owned the second affiliate, who's a good friend. And, you know, a lot of people over time that I'm, that I know who are, who were, you know, really heavily involved in the CrossFit community have their views of, you know, how that should be approached have evolved over time. Yeah. So what, you know, if we just, take like the standard CrossFit programming, standard CrossFit box who's do, that's doing things, maybe we could say the old school CrossFit way. What's the, what are, what's the problem with that? Like what, what, you know, what are the risks for people who are just getting into that and what should people watch out for? Yeah. Um, that's a, that's a good starting place for the, for the discussion. Um, I also want to just say that I, the same feelings about CrossFit, like I have a tremendous amount of love and respect and appreciation for what that did for me in my career and getting me started. And I still see there's a lot of value to that community and what people are building in their gyms. You know, one of the main challenges that people face when they're starting an exercise program or training or learning about proper training is teaching themselves how to push their effort sufficiently that they start to see change. Right. Um, You know, like, there's more people out there in the world that are exercising and not really working hard that working that hard, you know, and I want to applaud them for getting in movement and just moving, but like they expect to see all these benefits and they, they're, they're afraid to go and push themselves hard. It's, it's fearful. It's scary. It's, um, and it's just flat out difficult, like, you know, to go in and lift weights and push close to failure, you know, not like, failure but like to push yourself like man that doesn't feel great to like do interval sprints on a bike like you know no one you don't learn you don't love it right away most people do not love it right away so you got a lot of people going and exercising and not getting results and they're like what's going on it's like well you need to work a little harder and it's hard to teach people that crossfit kind of had this like new tool it's like you know i can't seem to get this nail to go in with this like really flimsy hammer oh well here's like a you know powerful hammer that suddenly can just like hammer hundreds of nails over like in two seconds like here's this new tool go ahead that's what crossfit was to people it was like they show up and it packed a powerful amount of intensity into a short amount of time where people learned very quickly how to like overcome this challenge of like i'm not working hard enough it's like no 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 you know, we put people through one of the most uh, straightforward CrossFit workouts on their first day, and you row 500 meters, you do 40 squats, you do 30 sit-ups, 20 push-ups, and 10 pull-ups, and you're told, do this as fast as you can, but you got to hit your range of motion, you got to do the full reps, and this put 85% of people flat on their back, like, and they're like, and they would stand up, and the, and the thought that went through many people's minds was like, holy 
crap, like I've never done anything this hard in my life. And that took seven minutes, like, whoa. So CrossFit brought a lot of intensity in its like essence, its original form. And it used some very simple principles to get there. Choose the right movements, choose the right weights that allow people to move, you know, with a decent amount of power, but quickly, right? And organize the workout structure, the repetitions, the sets, the reps in a way where people don't have to slow down and take long breaks. They can just kind of keep going. And they just build this like massive momentum of, of intensity without knowing it. Now, when people are in an, ex like, so they get exposed to this, they're like, great, I've got the solution to like, I can work hard in 10 minutes and get all these results and start to, they start to see change. Like their, your bodies are like, whoa, like this was a massive stress. I have to adapt to this and we're resilient humans. And so initially people's bodies start to just get stronger, lose weight, feel more energy, like do whatever it takes. Cause like tomorrow I got to show up and do this crazy thing at the gym again, I better make some changes. I better upregulate, you know, whatever, you know, metabolic pathway is helping me to uh, utilize energy better for this, this sprint, this, you know, attack that I'm going through. Um, so this is kind of good on the front end, but then, you know, as people start to develop a bit more fitness and they can actually, they're, they're able to push more through these workouts. Well, now we start to add in some complexity of movement. And people don't have these physical positions or they don't have the requisite time and energy and, and knowledge to recover from those events or they, you know, they don't have the space in their life to recover from it. Like if you go to battle for 15 minutes, what should you do for the next four hours? You should go and lay underneath the tree and just recover. But they don't do that. They jump in their car, they commute to the their job, their you know, drinking a bunch of coffee to keep them going because they're tired, but they got meetings, they skip lunch, they, you know, they're, they didn't get a good night's sleep. They're not doing any of the things that are required to, to kind of keep them healthy and, and recovering from these acute bouts of stress. And not to mention that now we're starting to exercise or train at a level of intensity where you know, there's not a lot of room for error anymore. If you move incorrectly going 100 miles per hour, Hey, your knee's going to tweak out. If you move incorrectly at five miles per hour, you just you kind of have a little wobble, and you can you know course correct. So now we're right. putting people into fatigue. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, and then there's another factor all along here, which is both a pro and a con of CrossFit, is that there are a bunch of people around, yes, cheering you on, watching, supporting you. But as human beings, you know, we have a very like many people are competitive by nature and we don't want to fall short in front of our peers. And so sure, that's sure. a whole nother influence that's operating during this whole time. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, hey, if I, I, I want to be in a room with people cheering for me when I'm on the assault bike and trying to push myself and, you know, like the room for error is pretty big. Like I'm not going to get hurt by like pedaling too hard. But if I got a room full of people that are cheering me on for a maximum snatch, which is a very complex Olympic weightlifting movement, you know, okay, I'm going to drum up some extra energy. I'm going to lift that extra 10 pounds that I would have never lifted because I didn't have this room in front of me, but I didn't catch it well. And the bar fell on my head. And, you know, now I got this contusion. I've, you know, maybe tweaked my C4, you know, disc and C4, C5 disc. And like, okay, that was, that was not the situation that I wanted to be, you know, pumped up and cheered for. Like, it's just a Tuesday at the local gym. Like, I got to go to work. Like, I wasn't, that wasn't what I was looking for. So there were a lot of, yeah, we, I guess that's the way you said it. it's like the pros also became the cons. It was like, we have this way of delivering a lot of intensity to get people to do hard work that they otherwise have shied away from or never were able to access. That's a good thing. But then at the same time, that intensity potentially introduced risk that, we have never encountered in the gym, you know, that most people who uh, are looking for general fitness don't need, you know, to be encountering that kind of risk. And what were the typical kind of responses that you saw? Because I think one of the things that can happen, this is not just true for 
you know, starting an exercise or fitness program. It's also true when people start special diets or new supplements or things like that. There's an initial period of feeling better. Mm-hmm. And then over time, the feeling worse can happen gradually. And even sometimes so gradually that it's difficult for people to even track what's happening. Yeah. And then when, when that person th- starts to, co- to reflect on, well, why am I feeling so much worse now? They don't think about whatever it was that they started six yeah. months ago, because when they started it, they felt better. And so there's yeah. now an association in their minds between whatever that thing was and feeling better. And they therefore don't actually become aware that it's that same thing that initially made them feel better, feel worse. So one thing that I found can be helpful is just to like, what I do with my patients is just tell them some of the things that can happen in that situation. What are some of the symptoms, the signs, like when, as a coach, what did you look out for in your clients or, or, you know, in people who are coming to you from other, from other situations, like what were the typical symptoms or responses you know, other than the obvious, like injury or something like that, that you saw in people who were overtraining? Hmm. Well, um, it's a good question that I don't, I didn't, when I was in the mix of it all, I was, I was not proactively like looking at and seeing the, the signs and thinking of solutions. I was very reactive. I was like, Hey, you've been here for two years and suddenly like things aren't going well. Like what's like, you were the, you know, you were the perfect client. Like everything was going, like, I, I don't know what's happening. You know, I just mm-hmm. saw that enough times to really be like, Hey, I'm, I got, I'm scratching my head. I, I don't, this doesn't make sense. And what's going on. I had some mentors at the time that were further along in their careers as, as coaches that, you know, could, could make sense of it from like a, a, a scientific and physiological perspective and help me to like, understand a little bit of what was happening but now um i think when i when i arrived at like that the the tail end of my career and i started to transition to coaching sort of in a different way because i was speaking about it and like welcoming a lot of people to like you know come into our my circle and say hey hey, oh i i kind of have some of the same problems like you know i had lost a tremendous amount of drive and and energy to come to the gym and perform like I I was like I just can't I can't bring myself to do the thing that you're asking me to do and then this was a thread that I heard so many customers it's like yeah after a couple of years I just didn't really want to race against the clock anymore I just didn't have it in me I'd rather just I just wanted to go to the gym and just just want to lift weights I didn't really want to go and like do the Metcon like the super hard that's like the super hard fast you know, classic CrossFit conditioning workout that's got running and kettlebell swings and burpees and all the things. So there's sort of like this, this physical shutdown, like my body's just not really feeling up for it. You know, the, the second part was like people having um, really hard time, like following, not even like aggressive, but just basic nutritional prescriptions and, and programs. Like they, just didn't really have a good appetite control mechanism. They were starting to just the, the, the feedback loop on like when I'm, you know, satiety and, and call it willpower, but just like the, the, the decisions around what foods, you know, appeal to them, like just started to get really out of, out of whack. And they were feeling like, man, I'm doing this thing and I'm seeing like negative changes in my body composition and just how my body looks and feels i think as a result of like i'm no longer able to bring a level of energy into my training therefore my movement is suffering overall globally like i'm not i'm not moving as much and i'm not moving with as much intention as i used to and i'm so depleted and my stress profile is so like swayed towards like overstressed that I can't seem to like navigate these sugar cravings that I'm having. And I'm basically wanting to eat processed, you know, carbs and fat all the time. That's like hyper palatable. And that combination was what I saw in a lot of people. And and really what that looked like was 
I don't feel energetic and my body doesn't look as good as I want it to look, which is what people showed up at the gym originally for. They actually came and they said, I want to look better. I don't feel more energy, you know? And so when those two things just are like the opposite is happening, people start to question their fitness, their fitness program. Like, why am I doing this thing? Like I look worse than I did last year. I had those initial six months of things getting better, but now things are worse and I don't understand it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty similar to what I saw in patients. Uh, I would add, you know, uh, disrupted sleep and circadian rhythms was a major factor for most of them. They had big imbalances in cortisol and DHEA. I would see in men declines in test testosterone uh, or increases in sex hormone binding globulin. So a decrease in free testosterone in, in women, I would see sex hormone imbalances as well, sometimes digestive issues because of the chronic activation of the sympathetic nervous system. Um, so yeah, I think we were tuning into a lot of the same issues. So at some point, you and know, and you, by the way, that was my, that was my, those were my blood markers, like to a T when I wrapped up my competitive career. Right. Yeah. Right. So you, you became aware of this and it was impossible to ignore at some point. And even despite the fact that you'd invested a ton of time and energy and achieved a very high level in CrossFit, you decided to step away from that. And it sounds like try to retain the best parts of it, the things that were most inspiring for you and, and most attractive for people who are drawn to CrossFit in general, the uh, more dynamic and functional movements rather than just the, like you said, three sets of 10 and um, the more traditional kind of approach to, to weightlifting and strength training. But to do that in a way that would not only prevent or, or at least greatly reduce the risk of injury um, and mitigate some of the potential downsides of all of that overtraining, but do it in a way that people would actually still meet their original goals, getting stronger, yeah. getting fitter, looking yeah. better, which is what drew them to it in the first place. So how did you approach that process of, you know, thinking about it, designing it? And, you know, I imagine a lot of experimentation and trial mm -hmm. and error until you kind of landed on, you know, what you're doing now. Yeah. Well, I think there were probably two main things that helped and what I, what I kind of leaned on the most, the beauty that I saw in, in CrossFit and, and even from the early days, what inspired me so much to join that community and get my start as a, a fitness coach in CrossFit, as opposed to any of the other avenues that I could have taken to be coaching fitness was that, you know, for, for about a decade, from when I was 15 to 25, I trained in gyms a lot. You know, I was a, I was a gym guy and I also played a lot of high level sports and I was doing things always that were to most people obscure and only for a very small group of people. Like I did power cleans. I back squatted. I liked to deadlift. I, I did all this stuff and nobody really ever wanted to do any of that. But suddenly CrossFit made that stuff sexy. It made it cool. I mean, you had, you know, and I, I don't mean to use this uh, example. Um, I, I go to this example just because it was like, when it started to happen, I was like, this is the last group of people I ever thought would come to the gym and want to power clean and deadlift. But it was like, it was my soccer moms that I was like working with. I was like, these women are showing up at 9.30 a.m., you know, after they're dropping their kids and they want to deadlift and they're learning power cleans and they want to do all this. I'm like this, and they're fired up about it. So something I knew for a decade before I ever got into CrossFit was that weight training is the recipe for most people to achieve the look and the feel that they want in their bodies and their fitness. Yeah. Cardiorespiratory fitness is important. I want people to do cardio, but I want people to get strong. And I want people to lift weights. I want people to like do resistance training and you're not going to get the same value from doing yoga or Pilates or like th those are valuable tools of fitness, but I want people to lift weights. And, and the vast majority of people that I know 
that lift weights with intention before CrossFit, but like they actually bodybuild or did some type of strength training. They usually looked pretty darn good and they moved well and they were, they could do a lot of stuff. And those of us who came into CrossFit and were like in the first couple of years, the best CrossFitters ask any of them what they were doing. It's like, oh, I was just bodybuilding, doing strength training for the last 10 years. And it's like on day one, I could do all the fancy stuff, you know? So as I'm like, what is the best part of this whole thing? The best part of this whole thing is it got people lifting weights. It took Olympic style weightlifting and made it, which was an obscure sport and made it mainstream. Like, not that I need, we need everyone to go and clean and jerk and snatch, but I'm like, it got people picking up weights off the ground. You know, it got my mom to like, you know, start doing resistance training. Like it got people doing this stuff that would have otherwise never done it. And okay, cool. We got you weightlifting. Now, let me tell you that if we keep weightlifting, but we turn the volume down on the intensity and all the burpees and the cardio and the, while you're doing the weight training, you can still get a ton of benefit. Like people who just resistance train with, with good prescription, like they feel and look amazing. Like, okay, so let's keep that. Let's keep that going. Paleo Valley's beef sticks are definitely one of my favorite snacks. They're unlike anything else on the market. They're made from 100% grass-fed and grass-finished beef and organic spices, and they are naturally fermented, which gives them this really amazing flavor. In fact, they were recently voted in Paleo Magazine as one of the top snacks of the year. One reason I love Paleo Valley is that they're committed to making the highest quality whole food products that are free of junk ingredients. They're compact and easy to take on the go, especially when I'm out in the mountains and away from civilization. Go to paleovalley.com chris and use the code CRESSER15 to get 15% off. If you're just picking up whatever salt is available at your local grocery store, I'm really excited to tell you about Kalima Salt. I first came across it a couple years ago, and right from the start, I knew it was different. It has these large kind of crystals and flakes. It's crunchy. It's bright white, and the taste was different than anything else I'd experienced before. It's a great finishing salt for meat or fish or sprinkling on top of vegetables, and we use it every day in our house. I feel good about buying it because it's free of ocean-borne microplastics, uh, unlike most salts on the market today. And when I buy it, I'm supporting the local salineros who harvest the salt in Mexico. If you want to learn more and check it out for yourself, head over to cressersalt.com, and they have a special offer for Revolution Health Radio listeners where you get a free bag with your first purchase. No discount code necessary. Just go to cressersalt.com. To live your healthiest, longest life, you need to understand what's going on inside your body. People age at different speeds, and generic annual blood work doesn't properly evaluate your biological age, but Inside Tracker does. Inside Tracker is a truly personalized nutrition and performance system designed to extend your health span and slow the aging process. Created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics, Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, DNA, and fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You'll get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplementation for your body. Add InnerAge 2.0 to any plan to calculate your true biological age and see how you're aging from the inside out. For a limited time, get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com forward slash Chris Cresser. That's insidetracker.com forward slash Chris Cresser. So that was number one was we got people lifting weights. Let's keep them lifting weights, but let's continue. And now let's do it in, let's like implement some control around the intensity lever that we've been just like hammering for the last couple of years. Um, And then the second thing was with that specific community, it was to, to teach this principle of less is more. Now there was a period at which, is kind of different now. I, I think about it differently these days, but back then, I mean, I had people like come into my gym who were like, Marcus, how do I do like a double day? I want to start doing double days. I'm like, 
Jesse, you're 42 and you've got two kids and you got a job. Like, I love that you want to move, but like maybe double days is not what we need to be doing right now. Like that might not be the ticket to you. Like what else is going on in your life where you feel like you need to get to the gym twice a day? You know, like, why aren't you stoked to go out and do the other activity or I don't know, like not to make judgments, but like, Hey, the body that you want, the feeling that you want, the athletic pursuit that you have, like we can find that in less time and you need to do actually a few less of those hard conditioning workouts. You need to like tone it down a little bit and then you're going to succeed. And what was that about? Well, we had this, this kind of phenomenon happening where people were like, okay, I did a little bit and I saw some results and then I plateaued. So I'm going to do some more and I'm going to see some results, but then I plateau. And then it's like, the only way to get better is to do more. And what, what they weren't realizing was that in this effort to do more and more and more, they were not really addressing other important health pursuits and markers and you know tools that they could change and mitigate in their life to like see results. Like they, the more they trained, the crappier their diet got because they were just like, I just need to eat all this food and I'm going to eat processed food. I need to get calories and I need to get protein, I need to get carbs. And they were just, the quality of their food choices were going down and down and down as they got more and more competitive and training more and more and more. And this was the case for me. Like at the end of my career, you know, I'm eating pints of ice cream on a daily basis next to my, you know, my meat and vegetables and, you know, all, all, all the good things I was eating. But I was like, I needed to supplement with a lot of sugar and a, a lot of processed food to just get in sufficient energy. And so like my food profile was actually not as good as it could have been as it is now when I train like a third of the amount or a quarter of the amount. So in pursuing more and more and more and more, like other factors were getting thrown way off. And, uh, and so that was the other thing was teaching people like, hey, if we do a little bit less, we do it with a lot of great intention. And then we reserve that extra energy that you would have spent going and doing another hour of cardio. But let's spend that hour planning out like a good week of of uh, food choices. You know, let's go and shop and be intentional about what you're going to put into your kitchen and maybe spend an hour prepping out a couple, you know, key meals that fall at times a day where you're really strapped for time and you might otherwise reach for something that is of lower quality. That hour that you didn't do cardio just made a huge impact on your wellness and your health going forward for months and months and months. And so really yeah. that's what we started to lean into a lot with the, the, the approach to training that we, we brought forward while sticking to like, I'm still going to do some of the movements. I'm still going to own some of those really fun and engaging parts of CrossFit, but we're going to just get away from the time on the whiteboard being the most important thing to instead being the quality of the movement and then reserving enough energy so that you can actually dedicate to the other you know, factors that influence your health every day, 24 seven. That's interesting. You know, I've myself been a huge fan of outdoor sports for my whole life. You know, I grew up on the beach in Southern California. So I was surfing, you know, from a very early age, I would get up before school and surf before school and surf after school. And, and then, you know, later it was also skiing and mountain biking, uh, kayaking, stand up paddleboarding, et cetera. Um, and, you know, I, again, I don't, there's no right or wrong way to do things. Some people have different interests. I'm not saying that way is the best way, but for me, those were the activities that brought me and still are so much joy and satisfaction, not only because of the activities themselves, but because that was the way I connected with nature and got sun exposure, and, you know, often did them with other people. They were super, they're super fun. Um, so they satisfy so many different needs above and beyond just fitness and being in the gym. And I've always approached, you know, training, strength training, things like that as is something that I do for my health, but something that I do to improve my athletic performance in these other areas and also reduce the risk of injury, you know, uh, stay strong, et cetera. So I've sometimes wondered, like, you know, I, I think this is true with anything where we can become hyper-focused, almost myopically focused on one particular thing and then leave out 
a lot of other, you know, things that can be beneficial and helpful for us. And I've often wondered in that context, like when I've had a patient who's just been like, yeah, let's do two a days in the gym. I'm like, maybe you could take a bike ride outside instead of that second one, or maybe picking up a new hobby or a sport because there are ways that that stimulates the brain and diff, you know, like learning different kinds of movements, different kind of motor activity. I think that supports neuroplasticity in the brain, helps us slow down the aging process and keep our brain sharp. So I'm just, I'm curious, like how you think about that with your clients and because it sounds like you're really, you have moved towards trying to shorten the, yeah, you know, the time maximize the, the ROI. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. exactly. Less time in the gym, more time for other things outside of the gym. Yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, as somebody who went through like a phase of life where the gym was life, you know, and I wanted to be in there three hours, four hours a day, like I got a tremendous amount of value out of that period of time. Like I grew as a person in ways that i wouldn't have otherwise i i don't know if i could have ever you know found and fostered in other activities so i i I hesitate to tell somebody like hey you shouldn't be in the gym (laughs) you know more hours if that's what you really want to do but i i guess i it's more of like getting people to ask the question like is this really where you want to be like what if i told you that in an hour three or four days a week you could have the body of your dreams and you could feel great like and you could have great sex drive and, you know, you could find a partner and, you know, love life. It's like, they'd be like, yeah, I'll do that over 12 hours in the gym. Like if, if that's, if, or they're like, no, I, I want to go to the gym and I want to keep doing this thing. Cause it's super fun for me. Like, you know, that's, nothing that's wrong a, with that. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. Choice. Yeah. That's totally their choice. So it's about asking that question, getting people to like really evaluate, like what's the purpose and the goal of this thing. You know, I've tried to like, pair the the training back to like less than what I do today. And I found that like, there was a threshold where I was like, I just want to be in the gym. Like, I don't really want to go for a walk or a hike, like, or, you know, a bike ride. I want to just go and listen, wait. So I'm going to add another day back to the gym and I fluctuate, you know, depending on the time of year and what's going on. But yeah, I also, I also think that there are people who are just missed. They're a little misguided. They think that the only way to achieve a certain, you know, look and feel in their bodies is through X number of hours, X number of days in the gym. And, you know, we, the goal is to really show people like, Hey, that's, that's an unrealistic expectation for your lifestyle. And it's not true. You know, we can do it other ways and we can probably find ways that are much more interesting and fun and engaging for you based upon your, you know, personality type and what you like to do. You like to be outdoors. You like to do sports. Like, why don't we make that a central focus and then make training simply a a complement to that, to keep you, you know, being able to enjoy it as much as you, you want to enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. It's because then, I I mean, I'm just speaking personally. And again, I, I really do appreciate that there are people and I was, you know, at one time, I spent a lot of time in the gym um, and that was great at that time. And some people just love that experience, like you're saying. But for those who are in the gym because they think they have to be for 12 hours in order to get the results, that's kind of what we're addressing here. Exactly. And, yeah. for some, and for some people who might even be more motivated to go to the gym, let's say if they love tennis or they love skiing, and they really want to push that to the next level, having that goal and then using training as a way of, of not only, you know, again, just meeting the basic needs, like, you know, building muscle, maintaining or maintaining muscle mass at the very least, but also like helping them to achieve a a different level of of movement and attainment in in something that they're really interested in could help with motivation a lot. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So finding a way to connect, what you're doing in the gym to what the actual outcomes that you want in life are, um, you know, that, that's, that is, that's central to this. It's like, don't just blindly go into the gym and follow, follow a a prescription that a generic one that's out there that might not even really apply to your, what you want. Like the, you got to go 90 minutes, five days a week to say that, you know, it's like, no, you don't, you don't have to like, we, there's, 
let's look at it a bunch of different ways. There's a lot of ways that we can do this. And um, and I think what, what, what we were seeing, certainly towards that tail end of when I was coaching a lot of individuals in, in CrossFit was that, you know, there's just all this time and dedication to the gym. And it kind of got, I think it got way out of hand for a lot of people where they were just like, they hit, they hit a wall and they're like, why, what am I doing? Like, why am I spending so much time here? That, that happens when people start doing anything without like, you know, intention and, and thinking about the big picture, like what they're, what they want out of it. They're just kind of following the herd. Yeah. Never often not a good strategy in life for any, for anything, right. much yeah. less exercise. But so, uh, walk walk me through like a typical workout what that might look like for in in your approach uh in terms of like the types of exercises that are done rest periods um what does it actually look like yeah so you know i i really believe firmly in like the most important 10 minutes of the gym or your how you start you know the warm-ups that we uh we coach people through or a lot of thought and intention into getting people to arrive into the gym space in a purposeful way. It's like when you're transitioning from whatever you're doing before the gym to the gym, you know, a lot of people do that at the end of their work day or even before they, you know, start their work day, but they're, they got a bunch of things on their mind. So we always start with like about a 10 minute focused warm up that gets blood flowing, gets respiratory rate up, and then works on you know, stability or mobility type movements, things that are going to really put some attention to your joints, joint health and um, range of motion prior to training. And I like to say like, hey, if you're going to commit to one thing today, just go and do your warm up. By the end of your warm up, you probably want to do the next part. <laughs> you know, you'll be ready. So, uh, and then we always have a, a strength training component that, you know, we I bias towards a lot of, um, timed strength training formats so it's like every minute you're going to do five back squats or you're going to do you know 10 strict presses or and you do that for a certain number of minutes or maybe you superset that with another strength training exercise so a lot of the strength training that i i write in our programs is is about efficiency you know and and also keeping people focused when they're in the gym i think one of the challenges a lot of people face with weight training is that it's less like engaging as like a boot camp style or like a cardio class or something like that where it's just like hey the clock's going out i gotta keep going so we kind of bring some of those elements into our weight training so that people feel like they've got time motivation they're not wasting you know minutes and minutes just sort of getting pulled into their phone on social media while they're resting for their next set of you know bench press or whatever exercise they might be doing so focus on like a big strength training component of each session. And for that, I like to stick to, you know, a lot of the traditional compound exercises, like, and we have op op options for people at different levels of training. So that could be power cleans for somebody, but it, it could be, you know, a split squat or some lunge of, you know, weighted lunge, something that for whatever skill level you're at, you can really give a lot of intensity and a lot of effort, but be, you know, working in a safe environment. Going back to the, the original CrossFit, like what was so great, it got people weight training, but in a class of 20 people, you know, four people could safely do power cleans at an intensity level that would make positive change in their body. The other 16 were either having to do really, really light weights just because they did to work on the technique and the skill, or they were using weights that were too heavy for their technique and they are at risk of injury. So how do we really, you know, take the best of that and get, we, we have to create the right environment so that somebody can come and lift weights, push against resistance hard enough to make change. But that skill is well within their, their wheelhouse and their repertoire, and they're not going to get injured and be at risk. So that's kind of always part two of training. And then, you know, something that I really got I learned so a wait, lot. Mar Marcus, what's the, what's the 
how long would that take that? So there's 10 minute warm up, and then how long would that strength training component? Probably in the 15 minute, 15 minute range, you know, we're okay, looking so at it's pretty concentrated. Yeah, it's concentrated. And, and this is also not going to be the only resistance training we do for the day, but this is the concentrated, we call it intensity, you know, lifting of the day where I want you to actually get close to failure. I want to push you to a place that feels a little uncomfortable with your weight training. That's where we're going to see change. The next section of training is really what a lot of people would think of as like accessory weight training, accessory lifting. Uh, we like to call it strength balance training. This is where rather than go into this set of, you know, call it split squats or, you know, single leg RDLs, rather than going into this exercise with the intention of like, I want to push myself as hard as I can. Instead, I want you to think of this as like, your quality movement sets of the day. How can you extend your range of motion? How can you work on your coordination, your balance? How can we get you into positions that enhance your mobility? Um, I think people make the mistake of thinking that, you know, a common misconception is that weight training it makes you uh, get tighter and lose flexibility. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Like proper weight training is perhaps the best way and is the best way or excuse me, I should say this, proper resistance training is the best way to enhance range of motion and mobility. All of the best protocols for getting you more flexible involve resistance. They might look like ice, it's, it could be isometric resistance, but it's still resistance. So you take the FRC, you know, functional range conditioning people of the world, like they're expanding range of motion in joints through isometric contractions. You know, you look at even, you know, High level gymnasts, when they are improving range of motion flexibility for their sport, you know, tons of body weight resistance, compression drills that they're doing, extre like extreme levels of isometric contractions as well. Same could be said for, you know, lifting weights. And uh, somebody like Ben Patrick, who's the knees over toes guy, who's gotten a lot of attention over the past couple of years. You know, he's using resistance training to expand joint range of motion tremendously. So that's how we approach this sort of second tier of resistance training in our, in our uh, programs is when you use weight training to enhance range of motion, build better mobility, coordination, things like that. And that happens at sub-maximal weights, right? When you push maximally with weight training, your brain will purposefully close off and range of motion because that's where you're at most risk of injury. But if I take 50% of my max and I really focus on getting a deep stretch at the bottom of my squat or you know exploring a different position, um, that's where you can see lots of change to the tissue uh, quality and, and um, length. So there we are. We're at one, two, three. That's the third section. That's another 15 minutes uh, of training uh, before we move into what would be the final part of training. And that's like the, the functional conditioning stuff the, that most mimics what, you know, CrossFit really introduced to my life that will stay with me forever, which is the concept of mixed conditioning, mixed modal conditioning, where you take weights, gymnastics, calisthenics, cardio, and you put it all together in, in, in a circuit or, or so, you know, we have hundreds of different formats that this looks like, but we'll spend 15, maybe 20 minutes at the end of the training session, including that kind of conditioning. Now I bias towards an aerobic, the aerobic spectrum of training, which all I tell people is aerobic training is sustainable training. Anaerobic training is unsustainable. With CrossFit, it was go as hard and as fast as you can, get the best time possible. And here I'm saying, if you go 80% or 85% of that, you stay in control, much more control. You still work super hard, but it's like, you don't have the thought in your brain of like, I'm going to die. And like, I can't do this anymore. You are thinking more like, this is hard work. I'm doing well. I'm going to finish. And I'm going to end my training session. And within five minutes of my training session being over, like I have my wits about me and I can walk out the gym and not, you know, want to go take a nap for the rest of the day. 
And so that's sort of how we construct our conditioning workouts. And that's just from years of practice and trial and error, knowing this works, that doesn't work. If we do it this way, it's going to push people way too hard. If we put in this, you know, rest period or interval, or we inject this control, you know, point or scenario, that's going to keep people safer, moving with better quality, but keeping their aerobic system high. And we just educate people how to do that. Um, so that's sort of, again, the four, four pillars of like a good functional bodybuilding training session that we use and the intention behind each one and how, you know, given the story that we've talked about for the past hour, like how I arrived at that, like, why is, why do we, why are we doing that? Well, because we want to keep people's joints strong and healthy because we want to use the efficacy of lifting heavy weights because the conditioning lessons that I learned from CrossFit were so engaging and so um, efficacious for people when they learn how to not push to the red line. Okay, let's keep them out of that red line. And so it all has gone into sort of constructing like, this is the model that seems to work really well for a lot of people. And the movements that we select inside of there, you know, we try and use a wide variety of stuff just because that's what keeps people engaged and feeling like they're learning, you know, constantly for, for years and years and not just being like, I do the same 10 exercises all the time. Nice. Yeah, that sounds amazing. And I know, you know a, lot, a lot of people who listen to the show are, you know, have a background in strength training and, and they know how to do the basic movements, but they might not have someone that they're working with on programming. And one of the things I, I love about your work and your website is there's lots of different op, uh, entry points for people. There's uh, ebooks on things, you know, like dealing with knee pain and functional body composition and conditioning, kettlebells, et cetera. But you have also, I, th I think, like a subscription or a membership program uh, called Persist. So tell us a little bit about how that works. Yeah, well, you mentioned a few of the, the entry points for people to come into the functional bodybuilding, you know, universe. But the Persist subscription was sort of something that was born out of the pandemic. And it was something that started um, in 2020, where you know, most people didn't have access to gyms. And I created a training program that was built on the foundations of like all of what we've been teaching for years that was designed for people at home. So if you had a set of dumbbells, if you had a couple of resistance bands, and if you had even just your body weight, you could do functional bodybuilding in the way I just discussed. And uh, it became a place to just sort of like, you know, bring our community together during a time of crisis. And once that turned in, that was like our, you know, at that point, people weren't buying ebooks to go to the gym because the gyms were closed. So once we sort of transitioned out of like, you know, a, the, the severe lockdowns and, and gyms started to open around the world and around the country, we decided, okay, you know what, we're going to take this community, this central community, the persist members and give them, reintroduce some of the other options for training. And so we brought back, you know, uh, sort of a conventional gym, you know, or CrossFit style gym equipment um, training program, where it's like, hey, if you have access to this, this is how you can do functional bodybuilding. And then we added to that, you know, it's like, hey, if you want to do functional bodybuilding with more of an aesthetics focus on building muscle and really building, you know, your body composition, then you have this new training track to offer. And then a year later, it was hey, if you have less than 60 minutes and you really just need to get in and do the, the actual, what I just described as like the, the pillars of functional bodybuilding, we have an op option for you within the subscription. So the subscription persist became a place where it's like, hey, I'm, I want to be part of the functional bodybuilding you know, ecosystem. I love what you're about. And we're going to deliver you a training option inside of that that will satisfy, you know, all the most of the buckets of what people are are looking for and so for our members we offer training and then we offer you know a ton of free nutrition and lifestyle resources to help people kind of pair what we've discussed as like optimal training with the things that will support that training for the other 23 hours of your day most days of the week and where would you what would you recommend for someone who is relatively new to strength training maybe they're not 
you know, that they, they don't know how to do a proper squat or deadlift. Um, and they're not, you know, they don't have any history, uh, and, and may, maybe they don't have access to that kind of equipment. What would you recommend for them as a starting place? Yeah. I mean, when it comes to people that have no very limited or to no experience with training, it starts with just a willingness. Like, do you want to go and, and try? And if you are open to learning and you're patient, then learning how to go and move your body in functional ways is no different than, you know, learning how to roller skate or rollerblade. You know, it's like one day you're going to have to put on the rollerblades and you're going to be wobbly and you might fall over. But it's like if you want to learn it and you see the value of it in your life, then you got to give it a shot. And, and an entry point for somebody like that with us might just be like, you know, the original persist minimalist program where it's like, hey, this is just with a dumbbell or no weight, body weight, maybe a couple of resistance bands you know, come and just do the movements that we tell you to do each day. You're going to learn how to squat. You're going to learn how to lunge. We're going to ask you to do push-ups. You know, if you have a pull-up bar at home, we might ask you to hang from a pull-up bar. Maybe you need a jump rope or run in place, but we're not asking you to do a, an Olympic style snatch, you know, on your, in your program. And after, you know, after you build a little consistency and, and basically teach yourself or prove to yourself that you want to learn this stuff, then the ascension from there is, is easy. Okay. Now you're going to grab the dumbbells. Hey, now you're going to grab a barbell. Like you, you, are you ready for that? Do you want it? Okay. Here's a cheap way to buy a barbell and get it in your house. And we're going to start teaching you how to do some squats. Great. Like nobody knows how to squat with a barbell on their back. Like just naturally, like you got to learn at some point, just like you got to learn how to slap on the roller skates and get moving. And, and we can do it in a, in a very, slow, gradual way. So persist is still a, still a place that we can, we can funnel people in. But that initial question I asked was like, are you ready to learn? Like, do you want to learn? You know, then, then you can, you can navigate. If somebody's like, this needs to be so easy and just spoon fed to me, then uh, you're probably best suited to go and find a, a personal trainer to work with. You know, if you're really in that category of somebody who's like, I, I don't trust myself to like, to do this on my own, like, you know, an online training program might not be the best place for you to start. Maybe you need to actually hire a personal coach and that could be somebody in person at your local fitness facility or functional bodybuilding. We have seven FBB master coaches that basically consult with people like online one-to-one, -one. like, Hey, Chris, let me write you a personal training program. We're going to get on a call every two weeks, talk about it. I'm going to message you each day, you know, like we have that level of service available in our company. If people are looking for that, like a higher touch point to really get them, get them going from zero to, to something. Cool. Well, this has been a fascinating interview, Marcus. I'm, I'm really glad you were able to join me. I think people will get a ton out of this and where can they learn more about functional bodybuilding and your work? Yeah, I would just, I encourage everybody to head over to functional-bodybuilding.com forward slash free. And just get on our uh, our newsletter, get on our email list where we, you know, every week I'm sending out uh, this week, we're writing about, you know, bridging the gap from like a high stress period to getting back in the gym where, hey, how do I, I, I was sick for a week. How do I get back into the gym or my sleep has been disrupted for a month because my, we have a newborn. How do I get back into the gym? So just giving people like, you know, real practical, useful tips and education every single week on training, nutrition, lifestyle to, to keep living and living and breathing the, you know, the functional bodybuilding lifestyle for, for years and years. So that's a great place to, to start. And there's lots of free nutrition and, and training resources that you'll get right away. If you, if you sign up. Great. Well, thanks again, Marcus. Appreciate all the work you've done here and uh, encourage everybody to go check it out. Lots of great resources there. And this approach to training, I think is just makes so much more sense to me for it's especially for the vast majority of people who are just trying to meet their goals of staying fit, building muscle, muscle mass, feeling good, increasing their performance and other activities and, and avoiding injury. <laughs> you know, as I get older, that's like one, that's one of the number one goals that I have. Um, I'm approaching 50 and I don't recover 
quite as quickly as I did when I was 20 and 25. Yeah. So when I'm, you know, whether I'm skiing, mountain biking or lifting weights, I always, I'm, I'm, that's in the back of my mind, like wanting to do it in a way that is going to lower the risk of injury so I can keep doing it. Cause I'm super impatient with being injured. <laughs> I just want, I want to be able to get out there and do that every day. So I, I think this kind of approach is, you know, makes so much more sense for most people. So thanks again for joining me and sharing your experience and everybody. Thanks for listening. Keep sending your questions to chriscrosser.com slash podcast question. We'll see you next time. That's the end of this episode of Revolution Health Radio. If you appreciate the show and want to help me create a healthier and happier world, please head over to iTunes and leave us a review. They really do make a difference. If you'd like to ask a question for me to answer on a future episode, you can do that at chriscresser.com slash podcast question. You can also leave a suggestion for someone you'd like me to interview there. If you're on social media, you can follow me at twitter.com slash chriscresser or facebook.com slash chriscresserlac. I post a lot of articles and research that I do throughout the week there that never makes it to the blog or podcast, so it's a great way to stay abreast of the latest developments. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you next time.